Sometimes I wonder where I'd be without you. Would I understand life? Would I make right choices? Would I live out my faith? Thank you for showing me what it means to love God and for giving me your all, even when it was difficult. Thank you for the discipline I deserved and the grace I didn't, and for being present, even though you had so much on your plate. Thank you for picking me up and encouraging me to try again, and for the little life lessons I still lean on today. The truth is, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for you. As I look back on my life, I see moment after moment where your influence, your wisdom, and your strength made all the difference. Thank you for loving me. Today, I give thanks. Today, I am grateful. Today, I celebrate you. I love you, Dad. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, appreciate you, magnify you for being the good, good Father that you are. We do thank you for what this day means, what this day represents, God. And God, no matter what type of father we had, we thank God for the seed that was implanted that caused us to come alive. Now, God, I'm asking that you would hide me beneath the cross, that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, let it be all of you, less of me, let the people be eternally touched and blessed. And for that, we will always give you the praise in Jesus' name. And let someone shout amen, amen. and amen. Come on with your Bibles in your hands. Would you just repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. And we communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Now come on, praise the Lord. Like you're going to get fed this morning. Amen. So we are in a uh, new series that uh, doesn't really have a catchy title. It's just a series based off of these verses, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and then 6 and 7. This was written, obviously, in the book of Isaiah. However, what makes it very important is that when Jesus showed up as a rabbi and he showed up to speak his first words, he opened the book, and this is what he read from. So you will find this same scripture read from Jesus. So Jesus was basically saying that these scriptures point to him. And so we've been using them. And then last week, what we did, we focused on verse seven and we'll uh, put that up and I'll just uh, read it to give us some uh, background for where we were last week to catch everyone up. It says, instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. And then we preach from this topic, shame on you, shame on you. And so that's what we talked about. And we know that usually has a negative connotation and we tried to flip it. And how we flipped it was by pointing to this and we'll put this up. We pointed to the fact that the scripture says that Jesus made an open show and put to shame the principalities. So what we were saying, instead of us taking the shame, we get a double portion for our shame, and we put the shame on the devil. And I won't read all of these, but I'll just put a, lot, a few of them out there to remind us. It says, put to shame means to outshine, outclass, overshadow, outstrip, outdo, run rings around. So basically, 
what Jesus did on the cross. He triumphed over Satan. So every time Satan tries to throw shame on you, you don't take it. You put it back on him because he's a dummy that got kicked out of heaven. Amen. And then we close by talking about this man named Mephibosheth. And we'll, we will throw that up there. And then the reason why, and we'll put that up again, the Hebrew name was Mephibosheth, which meant from the mouth of shame. And to, uh, to summarize it so we can move on, because of our life living in the fallen world, sometimes we get in some things that are shameful. And many times people want to call us based on what we've been in and based on what happened and how we feel and whatever. And they put their mouth on us and try to shame us. But we're not taking the shame anymore. Jesus took the shame on the cross. I'm holding my head up high because I'm a child of the living king. Amen. And so knowing that we are children of God, we're going to transition today into this faithful fatherhood. Somebody say faithful fatherhood. We'll say it again. Faithful fatherhood. Just wanted to pause and speak on that for a second. And lately I've been telling you that I have been using the holidays to preach from. And God has been giving me things that line up with the holidays. And I asked him why he did it and to, uh, to share you again. He told me because people's minds are already there. They're already on that place. And so it's easy for me to take them where their minds are and take them into a spiritual revelation. And so we are going to be talking about fathers on Father's Day like we talked about mothers on Mother's Day, but it's going to bless both fathers and mothers. It's going to bless both male and female. It'll bless those who do not have children as well as those who do have children. On Mother's Day, the sermon that God gave me was called Being Mom, the, the fears, the pressures, and the joy of being mom. And so I was asking God, how do I not leave out the men? And God showed me how to preach it. But just recently, I was looking at some of our numbers, our numbers online, and our online numbers that people connect with us. It shows that we are 70% female and 30% male, and that is online. In the building, it's a little uh, worse than that. So we are uh, female-dominated. Nothing wrong with that. We love our women in this place, but we do want more men. So I'm thinking if I preach a Father's Day message to 70% female, how do I communicate what you want me to communicate? And God showed me just how to do it. So don't check out, ladies. This is a message for everyone. Faithful fatherhood. Say it again. Faithful fatherhood. We're going to lay out four uh, point, uh, A, B, C, and D. Four points. And so A, we're, uh, we're going to put that up there. And we're going to talk about the father's responsibility for us. And so... We're talking not necessarily about God the Father, but what a real father. And later on, we're going to talk about real fathers. But what a real father's responsibility is to us. And sometimes because people have not seen a real father, they don't know what a father's responsibility is. And that's why when sometimes women date, they date men that ain't worth a dime because they've never seen what a father really looks like. They don't understand the responsibility of a father. And he may look good, but down the road, he may not be the type of person you want to have children with because you don't know what the responsibility of a father is because there's been so many missing men. And there's many reasons why there's missing men. There's mass incarceration. There's all kinds of stuff. But I'm praying that we would have men that would stand up and be men in the earth, men in this age. I'm tired of weak, jelly back, jelly leg men. I want to see some real men who are responsible, who show our young men what it's like to be a man in this age. I love women, but I want to be a man. Because that's what God created me to be. I don't mind being masculine. I'm in tune with my feminine side, but I don't want to be a feminine man. I want to be a masculine man. I want to spell man. When you look at me, I want to look like a man, act like a man, function like a man. That way, all of you single women will have something to shoot for, and you won't always settle for something that is just wearing pants. Amen. That wasn't in the notes. I just threw that out there. Amen. So somebody needed to hear it. So let's, let's, let's put it back out. Point A, the father's responsibility 
for us. Put point A back up. The Father's responsibility for us. And then uh, we're going to go to this Dr. Barry Elliott from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, a, a preacher friend of mine. He lives in Charlotte, but he's from Baltimore, and he did a uh, series on uh, daddy issues, a very good series. And so I was talking to him, and I said, some of the things that you use, I think I'd like to borrow it for my sermon on Sunday. And he said, I, I'm going to allow you to do it because I'm getting ready to write a book on it. I don't want nobody else to see it. So he's giving me pres permission to talk about it to Deliverance Temple and to our online audience before he even writes about it. But these points come from him, and I'm going to explain it in my way. So what we're going to do, we're going to run through these uh, five points, and then I'll go back and talk about them. So let's put up number one. The responsibility number one is for the father to be a procreator. Number two, for the father to be a parent. Number three, for the father to be a provider. Number four, for the father to be a protector. And number five, for the father to be a priest. So let's go back through them. Number one, a father is a procreator, meaning that inside of the male is the sperm that carries the ability for the lady to have a child. So that is the first one. He is a procreator. The problem with a lot of fathers, that's where they stop. They know how to procreate. They enjoy procreating, but that's where they stop. And the problem is we have a lot of people who are sperm donors and not fathers because they get stuck in the procreation stage. No, you can't get stuck there. You have to move further than that. And if you are in the situation where you've made some mistakes and you got stuck with someone who is just a procreator and that's all they've been, learn from your mistakes and do better the next time around. Because you need a father in your life. And so, number two, they got to go from being a procreator to being a parent. You got to stick around men long enough to be a parent, to co-parent. You can't leave everything up to the wife, everything up to the woman. If you're big enough to lay down, be big enough to stay at least till they're 18 years old, be big enough to be in their life, don't just procreate, but parent. Can I get a good amen right there? Amen. So we have too many men who don't stick around for the parenting phase. And there, there, there's many reasons why, but a, a lot of men talk about, well, well, my woman won't let me see my kids and this, that, and the other. And some of those things are true. But I know as a father, you couldn't stop me from seeing my kids. If my kids are in baseball, you may not invite me, but I'm showing up at the game. I'm going to show up at the school. I'm going to know the principal because if I want to parent them, I'm going to find a way to parent them. So stop using that as an excuse. The truth of the matter is all you wanted to do was procreate because procreating was fun and you want to do it all around town, but you need to stay around and be a parent. Amen. That, that's good. And that, now I, I will give credit. There are some people who've procreated all around town, but they still have stuck around to be parents. Got eight kids by five different women, but they're in all their lives. I wish they wouldn't have done it that way, but at least they're in their children's lives. Amen. And let me say that. And let me say this right here, right now in Deliverance Temple. Y'all have examples of good fathers in Deliverance Temple. Y'all got some good men in here, Deliverance Temple. We may be only 30% male, but you got some good men, some good fathers, some people who stepped up. They may not have always been good fathers. They may have had some mistakes in the past, but once they showed up and locked into DT and confessed their deliverance consistently, they're some good fathers. And they got in their children's lives. They're there for them. So amen to them. All right, let's go to point number three, provider. So you procreate. And you parent, but you have to be willing to provide. Now, let me talk to some of you women. Sometimes that's all you want them to do is just provide. I just want, I just want his uh, child support check, but you don't want him to see the children. You don't want him to be in the life. No, 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 let him provide. But if he's going to provide for the children, why do you keep wearing it on your back? Why does a child support check keep ending up on your eyelashes and your nails? If it supports to support the child, why don't you let it support the child? 
I ain't talking to none of y'all here. I'm just throwing that out there. So provide. Number four is protector. So a, a father, not only does he procreate, parent, provide, but he's willing to protect. I had a conversation with my son Draylon yesterday, and we were just talking about life things, and he made a statement to me. He said, I, I'm not, I understand it, but I'm not really uh, happy that you have a gun. I keep a, a, a gun. I'm a licensed gun over, and I keep a gun in my car. And, me, he, and he's saying because he was afraid what would happen if I ever have to use it. And I said, Draylon, number one, remember this. I never trust the gun. I always trust in prayer. I pray, I pray over my kids, I pray over everything. I never trust in it. The only reason why it's there in the rare occasion that I have to protect my family, I'll do what I have to do. Because as a father, there is a certain amount of protection that jumps up. Now, everybody doesn't have to do it that way, but just in case, because there are some crazies out there, and just in case you want to be crazy, here's the thing. I'm not going down without a fight. Number one, I'm praying. I'm pleading the blood. And because of that, I've never had to fire it only to the firing range. And I'm trusting and believing I'll never, ever have to fire it only at the range. But in the rare occasion that I do, I will protect what is mine. Young, young, young women, if you're ever walking with a man in a big city and he always allows you to be close to the traffic, that's a man who doesn't know how to protect. The first time me and my wife were in Manhattan, New York, and there was all this traffic moving around, I always found myself moving on the side of her that if anybody gets hit, I'll get hit first. Because I, I, I love me and I love her, but why should she die first? I, I need to step up and be a protector. That's the father in me. The father is a protector. Now, I'm going to run through these again. You don't have to put them up on the screen, but procreator. Parent, provider, protector. Many men are great at that, but this is where most of us are failing. And number five, priest. The reason why the numbers are 70%, 30%, because many men have abdicated their priestly responsibilities in the home. When it comes to spirituality, let the woman do it. Let the woman go to church. Let the woman pray. I'm going to go fishing. I understand you want to go fishing, but the fish still going to be in the pond. Bring your tail to church. You need to be in the church. You need to be the leader in your home. You need to be the priest in your home. A real father can step up and be a priest. I'll cover a little bit of that later as we get in, into, so I'm going to move on so I don't go too far. But I, I, I thank Dr. Elliot for allowing me to use those things both the procreator, the parent, the provider, protector, and the priest. And a real father has all five of those. Let's go to point B. The fathers work in us. Now, this is important for us to, say, to understand. The fathers work in us. So now I'm talking about, I'm moving from priest, and I'm moving to God the Father working in us and working through us. Because here's the thing. None of us can walk as a priest without the priestly anointing flowing through us. And so that's why it's important for us to step up to be priests, but we need God working through us. So let's put this up. Jesus and fatherhood. Jesus and fatherhood. Jesus and fatherhood. And let's put this up and then, then we will, uh, I'll explain it. Pattern. Remember, Jesus is the pattern son. He's always the pattern for us. So let me ask you a question that I'm going to answer myself. Was Jesus a father? No, he was not. So Jesus was not a father in the earth. So if you are not a father, if you are a female and you have a woman, let me just jump on this for a second. I appreciate all single mothers. I appreciate all you do. I've been able to be around them, been able to be uh, counsel some of them and see that you guys are the amazing bunch of people. But it does irritate me when y'all run around talking about Father's Day and you start saying, I'm a father and Father's Day. I understand what you're saying because you have to be both the father and the mother. But can you just let men have their moment, have their day? Just, you know, you don't have to run around and talk about you're a father because you're not a father. You are a female. And yes, you've had to ha handle both roles, but you mama and you not daddy. And that's why wise women who are single mothers, they always seek out male leadership because they understand there's some things I cannot give my male sons because I don't understand. And that's why in the 
older days, mothers would bring their children to church so they would be around some deacon and be around some pastor and be around some bishop. Now young girls just want to go around and watch Netflix. No, bring your babies to church so they can see what a real man looks like. Not just sons, but daughters as well. So I'm going to jump back on the point. Jesus was not a father. So if you're not a father, why is this message important to you? This message is important to you is because even if you're male or female, even if you are not at a fathering age, the father can still work in you and the father can still work through you. Let's, let, let's look at John 14 and 6 and Mother Mitchell will let you read from there. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. He says, Jesus is not the Father, but he can connect you to the Father. Let me talk to every one of you women. You're not a father, but the Father of fathers, you know him by name, and he knows you by name. You talk to him. I know you talk to him because you connect to your creator continually. So you talk to the Father so you can connect folk to the Father, even though you're not a father, because the Father resides and lives in you. And even if you don't see a male representative that you can connect your children to, you still can be the great priest in your home because you can connect your children to the father that lives inside of you. But let, let, let me jump on this real, real quick. Um, this verse is vitally important because a lot of people will tell you there are many ways to God. There are many roads to God. All religions lead to God. And you know what I say to them? I say you are absolutely right. Most people don't expect me to say that. I say, you're absolutely right. All roads lead to God. And they be like, preacher, what you talking about? I'm like, yeah, all roads lead to God. Here's the problem, though. All roads lead to God as judge. So the witch says, I'm going to get to God. And I say, witch, you are going to get to God. The problem is, when you get to God, you're going to get to God as judge. And since he's the judge, he can do what he wants with you. Now, if he want to let you in, he can let you in. But if he want to shut you out, he can shut you out. Because he's the judge, he's the jury, he makes all the decisions. Jesus didn't say, I'm the only way to God. He says, I'm the only way to the Father. See, here's the thing about it. When I come before God, I'm not coming before God as judge. I'm coming before God as Father. So when I get up there, God says, not guilty. And the witch may look at me and say, he's guilty. And I'm like, you don't understand. You see him as judge. I see him as father. And because he's my father, he's already declared I'm not guilty. I'm going to go on to heaven because every road leads to God. There's only one that leads to the father. And so I'm coming to the father. And Jesus said this way. He said, he said, I am the door. I've used this example before. You can get into your car through the hood. You might get scratched up and cut up trying to get through the engine. You can get to your car through the trunk. You can get to your car through the sunroof. But why do all that when you can just use the door? So all these other folks talking about, well, I burned sage to get to God. Look, burn all the sage you want to burn, but I'm coming through Jesus Christ the righteous. Well, when I smoke weed, I think about God. Look, smoke all the weed you want to, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord the Bible way. You look, do what you want to do, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm coming through the door, and in order for me to get through the door, there's some stuff in my life I can't have. And you ain't going to find me smoking weed. You ain't going to find me doing some certain things because I want to come through Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. Amen. Let's, let's go to verse 7. If you know me, you will also know my father. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Re read that one more time for me. If you know me, you will also know my father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He says you know him and have seen him. And so this question came up and, and it was Philip and Philip makes a good statement. Uh, John 14 to 8, put that up. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus, you keep talking about, uh, you know the Father, uh, you've seen the Father, and so Philip was like, well, show, show him to us. You know, 
You're talking all this stuff, and sometimes Jesus is talking in parables and things. And Philip was like, just, just, show, just show it up. Show, show him. Next verse. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time without you, your knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus turned it back on him. He said, how can you ask? How dare you ask, show us the Father? Don't you understand? When you see me, you see the Father. Because the Father is working through me, so I am an extension of the Father. So Jesus was the extension of the Father in the earth, and everybody who believes in Jesus, you are an extension of the Father in the earth. And so, yes, Father's Day belongs to you too because the Father lives in you. Somebody says you're the only sermon someone's going to see. You're the only Bible someone's going to see. You're the only God the Father someone is going to see. So allow God to work through you. Don't be so concerned about you. Allow God to work through you because the Father is in you working through you to show and to draw people to himself. So all of us have the Father in us. Let's read verse 10. Don't you believe don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Last week we talked about Jesus being in us, and us being in him. Us in him. In him do we live. In him do we move. And Jesus said the same thing. He said, listen, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. And when we get into this life... We are in the Father, and the Father is in us. So guess what? There are daddy issues all across the globe. There are deadbeat dads. There are no good dads. Sometimes Father's Day is not a good day for people. Sometimes because there's no good dads, and other times because fathers have died and went on, and they're no longer with them. But we are the extension of the Father in the earth. We are what the world needs now. What the world needs now is love more love but the love of the father is inside of us we have this treasure in earthen vessels we are the answer to the world we cannot hide our light we're the only father they will see we're the hope of the nations we're the hope of the world not because of us but because of who lives in us because we connect with our creator continually and we don't just connect for us we connect for the sake of everybody around us we connect for the sake of our family reunions we connect for the sake of the people that we minister and talk to when we go to the hospitals when we walk in the hospitals when we get on these boards when we serve when we do we are the extension of the father and the father can work through us just we showed up so understand the importance of who you are you are what the world needs uh, I'll, I'll throw this quick story out there I recently got invited to be on uh, a board that basically is a chamber of commerce in Muncie Indiana and it's got got some other things and so I get a chance to get all this information and I'm not necessarily knowing everything that's going on in the city, but I'm a part of it, and I'm learning a whole lot. And so I'm asking God, why do you want me on this board other than to get information? Because I'm not really making decisions. I do vote, but I'm on the board. I'm really getting information. And God said, I don't need you to pray. I got you there so that the things that you hear about, you can pray on. So the moment I, I, I got on the board, they've been talking about this thing that they've had, it's called a shell building, that they've been shopping around for people to purchase to bring jobs here. And it has failed for almost five years. And so once I found out about it, I just start praying on it. And the next thing I know, at the not this last meeting, but the meeting before, they told me 325 jobs are coming to Muncie. That building is finally sold. They have finally decided they're going to come. And they're like, we've worked so hard, and we almost wanted to give up, and here it is. And God told me, that's why you're there. So that you can be the father. You can stand in there. I'm not saying I'm the only one praying. But one thing I do know, it didn't happen until I got on the board. When I got on the board and the father began to work through me, 
and they begin to bring things and some stuff is happening and coming down the pipe and because we were an industrial city and because we lost all these jobs, our city took a downturn but we're on the way back up and people are looking at us and they want to do business with us and what that's going to do, that's going to bring jobs to the city. It's going to bring people to the city and it's going to be people to the doors of Deliverance Temple because the Father is working through us. So that's why we don't want to do all our work in the four walls of a building. We want to get out there and be the church so the Father can do the work. Amen. Your, your, your job don't know how important you are to the job. They have no clue. You are, you are a stabilizer. You are a stabilizing force in that job. You make a difference, and you don't even know you make a difference. You just think you're getting the check. But the Father is working through you. We have a lot of people in this church that do social work. You guys are in people's lives and make a difference in people's lives. And some of these people, they would have failed. They would have gave up. But because you're part of the deliverance temple and you live your vision every day and the father is working through you, stuff that shouldn't work out is worked out because you own the job. Because the father works through you. John 14 and 11. Believe me. That I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Okay, if you, do, you don't believe anything, believe the works that are working through me. I'm not doing this by myself. It's the Father working through me. In my almost 10 years of pastoring this church and working, there's a lot of stuff I can't figure out how it got done, but the Father is working through me. So believe the works. Believe what he done through me and believe what God is working through you. All right, point number C, the Father's conduct around us. This is where we're going to bring in our theme verses. So let's look at those theme verses again. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 and 6 and 7. So I got some words highlighted that will help us and then I will make some points about them. Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and freedom we have underlined heal and freedom. And so let's put this up. And in this part under C, we're going to talk about real fathers. Number one, real fathers heal. Fathers who hurt and fathers who damage are not real fathers. Fathers who molest, fathers who take are not real fathers. Real fathers heal. And there's no healer like the Father, and we call him Jehovah or Rapha. He's the Lord God that healeth thee. Real fathers heal. You know you are in the presence of a real father because it brings healing to your soul. Say that with me. Real fathers heal. Let's put this up. Real fathers champion freedom. And so it talks about bringing uh, 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 freedom to the captives. And so let's put this up Juneteenth. And so we know what that celebration is. It's, it's, it's uh, June 19th of 1865 is when those slaves, and I believe it was Galveston, Texas, found out that they were actually free. And so they found out several years later, I believe almost two and a half years later than the Emancipation Proclamation, they found out they were free. Somebody gave this example that said, just say you work at a job that you cannot stand. You hate this job, but you're stuck at this job. You work at a job you cannot, uh, you, you, you do not appreciate it all, but you're just there. You're stuck at it. And somehow you're working in the basement, and they let everybody off, and everybody else gets to clock out, and you don't find out until two and a half later, you're still working. Two and a half hours later, you're still working. You come up, and everybody gone, and you're still working. Now multiply that times a million. That's how them slaves felt. And listen, I'm, you mean I'm free, but I'm still being treated as a slave. So let me tie that in spiritually. Real fathers, they champion freedom. And here's the thing. The Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. 
See, there's some people out there that are still living like slaves and they have been set free by the blood of Jesus. They just don't know it. It's our job to be their Juneteenth and tell them, baby, you're free. I know you got the wine bottle in your hand, but the father in me told me to tell you, you are free. I, I know you're addicted right now, but the father in me told me to tell you, you're free. Come on to church with me. Come on to a place called Deliverance Temple where your temple can be delivered. And there's freedom in there. there there's hope in there. There's righteousness in there. It's our job to be the extension of a real father and champion freedom and let the captives go free. And the first captive that needs to be free is the captain in inside of you. Tell yourself, I'm free. The truth will make me free. I am delivered. I am set free. I am coming out of bondage. I am breaking through the chains. I am free. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. I didn't see the mountaintop and it looks like freedom. I, I didn't look into my future and it looks like freedom. I'm broke right now, but I see freedom in my future. I'm depressed right now, but I see freedom in my future. Real fathers champion freedom. Somebody say, I'm free. Indeed. I'm free. Isaiah 61 and 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. I underline favor, vengeance, and comfort. So let's put this up. Real fathers can handle both favor and vengeance. They know how to be both good cop and bad cop. They know how to do what needs to be done, give you everything that needs to be done, but it knows how to be the other side. Here's the thing. The, there is a backside to the blessing. So God, our Father, is a blesser. He is the ultimate blesser. But there is a flip side to the blessing called the curse. And so you never have to curse anybody. You don't never have to curse anybody. You don't never have to be mad at anybody. You don't never have to be bitter or, or, or hold unforgiveness for anybody. Because the Bible says, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. So here's the thing, just get out of the way and let God do what he want to do. If he want to bless him, he'll bless him. But if he want the curse to come on him, the curse will come on him. You got folk lying on you, got folk talking about you. Don't you lose sleep over it? Now, I know it doesn't feel good. I'm not trying to be super spiritual. It hurts, but I'm telling you, don't lose no sleep over it because the Father knows how to give you favor and give them vengeance at, at the same time. God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And let me talk about even in the aspect of Juneteenth and black people specifically, all the junk, and excuse my terminology, all the crap we've had to put up in this country. But there is a turning. I feel the tide turning. And God is elevating us. And God is doing some stuff in our lives. And you can't keep us down forever. You can't, you can't lie on us forever. You can't tell us we're inferior forever. The God that we serve, he has vengeance. And vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I was praying some years ago about uh, the civil rights movement, and God uh, told me this. He said, when people were being raised up, like the Medgar Evers and the Martin Luther Kings and the Malcolm X's, they got killed, they got shot down. He said, but this move I'm doing in the black ministers and the black leaders, they won't be able to kill them. They won't be able to stop them. They won't be able to lock them up. And I'm one of those black leaders. You can't stop me. You can't shoot me because the power of God is covering me. It's protecting me because vengeance is mine. He's, he's executing vengeance for them but he's putting favor on me. Real fathers can handle both favor and vengeance. And let me add this, real fathers comfort. Real fathers comfort. Come on, put it up so that they can see it. Real fathers comfort. So fathers bring comfort. You ever been around a father that just looks so mean and so hard, it doesn't bring comfort. Sometimes the older men, they work so hard that when they came home, they were kind of gruff and rough. They weren't, you weren't always happy to be around them. They was kind of scary. But a real father brings comfort. When a real father walks in the door, you feel you are at ease. You feel, you feel you are at home. You feel that everything's all right and everything's okay. So real fathers also bring comfort. You should feel comforted by a real father. Let me throw this in. A real man brings comfort. And ladies, let me tell you something. A real man may be attracted to you, but he's not going to talk all up and down under your dress. If he ain't got no business talking like that, he will keep those things to himself. Don't, don't, be, don't be excited because somebody's whistling at you and cat calling you. You have a name. 
You ain't hey baby, hey sugar. Now, now it may feel, feel good to be hey sugar every now and then, but let them make them men respect you. A real man makes you feel at ease, feel comfort. Don't that you ain't always gotta look at me like I'm a piece of meat. I'm a woman. I have a name. Treat me with some respect. A real father brings comfort. Amen. But some of y'all like that stuff. So let me let me get on somewhere else. But but a wise woman knows I want respect. I'm tired of people just loving me for what I got and what I'm wearing and, and, and the size of my hips and all that. I want somebody to respect me. I want somebody to take me out and not expect me to go Dutch and pay half the bill. I want somebody to take me out just to talk to me, to be friends with me, and they ain't even got to be trying to date me. Just just take me on the date. I mean, they ain't got to be trying to marry me. Just take me on the date, buy my steak, take me out the, to the movies, and expect nothing from it. I want to feel some comfort. This ain't for y'all, but some people, it's just a $40. That's all it takes for them. Uh, Don't say amen, just say ouch. Let's move on. Isaiah 61 and 3. To provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of Now remember, this Isaiah 61 is what Jesus read about himself. And Jesus was not a father, but the father was working through him. And all these things we are reading about Jesus is saying what the father will work through them. And so here's the the words that we lifted up were provide, ashes, and despair. And so let's put this up. Real fathers provide. We talked about that earlier when we talked about the things that Dr. Elliot had allowed me to borrow. Real fathers provide. The God uh, that we know, we call him Jehovah Jireh, which means he sees, and therefore because of what he sees, he provides. It's called provision. Based on what I see, I provide. And this is what you got to understand. God sees the big picture. So he provides when he gets ready because he knows what he sees so don't rush God God knows what's best for you but he will provide and a real father will provide a real father you ain't got to beg them to buy uh, the the kids shoes you ain't got to beg them to do anything Uh, uh, my wife told me yesterday Draylon needs some gym shoes I'm like what's wrong with all the gym shoes he got in his closet well he done grown out of them so guess what? He needs some gym shoes. Ain't nothing to fight. I'm a provider. Let's go and get some gym shoes. And him with his high-priced self, he found some high-priced gym shoes. And I'm trying to find the ones that's on sale, but the truth of the matter, the ones that were on sale was ugly. And he was right. So I bought him the high-priced gym shoes because I'm a provider. I saw the need. because I didn't see the need. I saw the need because my wife showed me the need. But once I seen the need, I provide. Real fathers provide. And men, don't make your woman beg you to take out the trash and beg you to get the grass cut and beg you to do this and beg you to do that. When you see the need, provide. Stop being so lazy, provide. And sometimes you can provide by picking your drawers up off the floor and taking them to the laundry room. Provide. All right, move on. Real fathers never leave you in ashes. We've had some people that that they are fathers by sperm donor, but they left everybody in their wake in ashes. Left the family in ashes. They'll come home, beat mama, beat the kids, beat the dog, beat the bird, beat everything, beat the TV, leave everything in ashes. That's not a real father. What a real father does, he does not leave you in disarray. He doesn't leave you in ashes. He leaves you in comfort. Real fathers don't leave you in ashes. Somebody say that. Real fathers... Don't leave us in ashes. All right, let's let's put this up. Real fathers never leave you in despair. Yeah, you can say that too. Real fathers never leave you in despair. So they don't leave you in ashes. They don't leave you in despair. Now, sometimes because we're human, we make mistakes. But a real father will always come back and apologize and say, I got it wrong. No, I, I, I kid you not, and still to this day, my father was always my hero, and he still is today. Now, since I done got older, I tease him a lot more, but still today, that's my hero. And everybody tell me that, look, you sound like your daddy. I used to get tired of that. And so one day, I called my house and heard my answer machine, and I sound just like my daddy. And I appreciate that. He's my hero. 
But one thing that I really loved about him, once I got older, and once it became more of a just a father-son relationship, and he was just telling me, he was able to say, you know what, I got some stuff wrong with y'all. And that, that, that was one of the greatest things he could ever do for me because he was saying, listen, I'm giving you permission to do some things different than I did. See, humility says I can look back and say, you know what, I messed some stuff up. My dad was real strict, and it did work for us, but he looked back and he said, you know what, I, 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 maybe I was too strict. Maybe I sometimes spent too much time with the church, but I want you to forgive me. That's a real hero that says I got some stuff wrong. And see, that doesn't leave you in ashes. The Bible says he'll give you beauty for ashes. That beautifies when a man can come back and say, you know what, I got some stuff wrong. I give you permission to do things better than me. And I'm also celebrating you that you go further than me and faster than me. You know, um, one time I was talking to my, to my dad and he said something to me. He was talking about the revelation that, that comes from me when I was preaching. And I was like, Daddy, I got it all from you. And he said something. He said, some of that stuff you didn't get from me. He said, God gives you some revelation that, 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 I, that even blows my mind. He just, I'm paraphrasing. But he's basically saying, don't put all the credit on me. God is doing something in you that I don't even take credit for, but I still push you for. That's a real father. Don't leave you in ashes. Don't leave you in despair. Never had an issue where, where my dad is jealous of me preaching. My dad heard me preach a whole bunch of time, and when I go somewhere to preach, he shows up and be up there, amen, and happy, high-fiving, like he ain't never heard me preach in his life. Because he hasn't left me in ashes, and he hasn't left me in despair. But while I'm preaching, some of y'all fathers didn't leave you in ashes and didn't leave you in despair. But I know the father of fathers who'll give you beauty for those ashes and will give you beauty for that despair. Let's go to Isaiah 61 and 6. But you will be called the Lord's priest. They will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations, and you will boast in their riches. Real fathers are priests in the home, which we talked about earlier. Real fathers are priests in the home, and they are willing to be the priests in the home. And then secondarily, because it said priests and ministers are the two things I underline. Real fathers are servants in the home. Because the word minister means to serve. Now we understand that we've been taught we are the leaders in the home. We are the head of the home. And that is right. We're the priests, we're the leaders, we're the head. But we still ought to serve. Ain't no reason you come home talking about, where my dinner at, woman? You've been here all day and you ain't got my dinner fixed. You can talk like that. These new women, they've they been to cut you. You better quit playing. Not, not just the new women, the old women put hot grease on your back. You better, you better come in humbly, come in softly, and appreciate. Learn, learn to serve. Some men expect a bunch and don't want to serve, don't want to do anything. And men, when you have a good meal, it's okay to say, you know what, I appreciate it. Thank you. That, that was good. Sometimes we forget because we got stuff going on. But let's learn how to serve the family. Be in the family as a servant. And I promise you, we got some good servants in this church that's an example of what I'm talking about. We all have room to grow, but we're getting better as we go. And I can see, and I'm grateful for these men that we have. Isaiah 61 and 7, let's, let's uh, close from this passage of Scripture. Excuse me, I'm not closing the sermon, but we're closing this part of the. Instead of your shame, they shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Real fathers won't shame you. Real fathers won't shame you. They will support you. They won't shame you. They won't put you down. They will be supportive of you. That's what real fathers do. I'll tell you another story, an example of, of my father. He came to see one of my basketball games, and it just so happened that most of my basketball games were on church nights, but somehow he got away and he seen me, and I did awful that night. Awful. And he didn't do anything but support me. But just so happened that later on I heard him and my mom talking. My mom asked how the game went. He's like, I it didn't it didn't go very good. He you know he was 
he made some mistakes. And so I heard the truth because I'm thinking the way he supported me, maybe he wasn't watching the game because I was awful. But I found out, no, he watched the game, but he didn't want to shame me. He wanted to support me for my efforts. Now, this is the only game he could come to, and here I'm doing horrible, but he still didn't shame me. He supported me. A real father doesn't shame you. They don't beat you up. And sometimes they see your trouble, but they won't crush you and stick your head in it. Yeah, the, yeah God knows you messed up. Yeah, God knows you done some stupid stuff, but he ain't putting your head in it. He's saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Real fathers don't shame you. All right, and then here's, we're going to add this. Real fathers bring joy. Real fathers bring joy. So they don't shame you, they bring joy. All right, and so we have one, before we move into D, we have some point that we're going to pull it up. I'm going to flip it from the other aspect. We're talking about real fathers, but I want to flip it to this aspect. Let's put this up. Real fathers deserve real respect and real appreciation. I'm talking about what real fathers are, and many of you have seen examples of real fathers, and don't wait till Father's Day to respect them and show them some appreciation. And let let me talk to some of y'all smart mouth women. I love y'all, but he doesn't deserve all that smart mouth talk. Just because folk treated you bad on your job and you want to come home and talk all kinds of crazy to him, listen, I know he ain't never hit you, but that don't mean he couldn't have. Respect him. Give him some appreciation. Appreciate him for what he does. And stop comparing your man to somebody else. Let me, let me give, give, give you an example of, of Lady Devin. I remember uh, early in our marriage on her birthday, I took her to Ruth Chris. The first time I had taken her to Ruth Chris, didn't have a whole lot of money. But I, I, I actually, uh, I took her to a real nice hotel and took her to uh, Ruth Chris. And when we were leaving Ruth Chris, and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm doing good. Well, let me tell you, I took her to something called the Sybaris. Took her there, then I took her to Ruth Chris, and I'm talking, I'm doing good because I spent a lot of money. We come out of Ruth Chris. It's not where it is now. It's, it's, it was the old one, and there was these steps going down. And you come down the steps, there was a Mustang at the bottom of the steps with a bow on it, and another man was telling his woman happy birthday. I feel about I feel about this small. I'm thinking I'm doing good with the Sybaris and Roof Chris and a little, a little $150, $200 meal. I think I'm doing good. And this other woman getting a Mustang with a bow on it. But guess what? My woman never, it, it never phased her, never flipped. She didn't even, she act like it didn't bother her. She was glad because that wasn't her man. I was her man. She was appreciative of me. Even though I couldn't give her what he gave her, she was happy that I gave her myself. Stop making your man compete with somebody else. He don't got money like Jay-Z and you don't look like Beyonce, so stop trying to make him compete. (laughs) You look like Wanda and you want him to treat you like Beyonce. Come on, just appreciate him for who he is. And when when he's making steps and he's being productive, appreciate him for who he is and what he's done. And let me, I don't want to stay on this too long, but let me throw this out there. There may have been in the past some infidelity. That was 15 years ago. Stop asking, where where you at? Where you going? Who you with? If he been cool 15 years, chill out. Yeah, yeah, he made some mistakes, but he chose to stay with you and you chose to stay with him. If you took him back, let some of that go. That's in the past. And sometimes... The man ain't thinking about cheating, but you make him think about cheating because you keep bringing it up all the time. Hey, I got, let, me, let me get off of that because we, we're trying to get back right. All right, let's go to D, and this is where we're closing from. So the, the final point that we're closing from in faithful fatherhood is the fathers who are assigned to us. So we have fathers, some good, some bad, but when you come into a ministry, you have fathers who are actually assigned to you. Let, let's say something that, uh, read something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 and 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Paul was writing the church of Corinth. He said, I, I'm, I don't want to shame you. Remember, real fathers don't shame, but I do want to warn you of something. Then he says this in verse 15. He's talking about spiritual fatherhood. 
He said, you got 10,000 instructions. Let me say, you got Facebook prophets. You got folk going live all the time, and they prophesy, and they preaching. They doing all these kinds of things, and it's great. It's fine. You can listen to them things, but you only have a few fathers, a few people who have really begat you from the gospel. You only have a few fathers. Put the camera on me in the back. You only have a few fathers. Sometimes a father will correct. After he's done enough signals, a father will correct. But you only have a few fathers, and you have been very lucky in this ministry. From the founding father of Bishop Clark to my father, of Bishop Mitchell, now to me. You have had leaders who were fathers. I'm talking about people who would take the clothes off of their back to help folk. For those of you who don't know him or don't remember him because he's dead now, Bishop Clark would have people in his house all the time, always doing for people, always doing for things, and laid his life on the line, and then pastored two churches, and then Bishop Mitchell took it and took it to another level, just giving himself down in the low end, folk talking about him, lying on him, and he was helping folk, helping crackheads. Because, see, right now they call it an epidemic because it's the opioid epidemic and it affects people that don't look like us. But when it was a crack epidemic, didn't nobody care. But Bishop Mitchell went down in the streets and helped people because he's a father. And I come in with that same heart and same desire. And let me be honest, sometimes when you're under the leadership, sometimes I ask myself, I wonder why my dad's so lenient. Well, once I got the position, I understand why, because your heart changes. You have the heart of the Father. And what Paul says, I beget you in the gospel. In other words, spiritual fatherhood is a little different than, than, than male and uh, natural fatherhood, because in spiritual fatherhood, you actually are birthing these people. When you get blessed, I feel like I'm birthing you. So that means when you fail, that means I have labor pains. When you fail, I feel like I'm miscarried. When, when you don't do good and your children mess up, it hurts me because I'm a father. I'm a spiritual father, and I'm pushing this thing out. I'm giving everything I have. Yes, all last week I'd work and go to visit my wife at the hospital. I could have had somebody else preach for me, but I'm a father. I wanted to talk to my family on Father's Day. I give everything I got because I'm birthing something in the gospel. And this is what real fathers say. They put their neck out of line for this next verse. Verse 16. Therefore, I urge you, Imitate me. We're putting ourselves out there so that you have something. You have an example that you can imitate. We're not perfect. We make mistakes, but we get up so that you have something to look for. If you don't have a male figure in your life, we're saying, look at us. We'll counsel you. We'll talk to you. We can't be at all the games. We can't do everything you need us to do. But I guarantee you, behind closed doors, we're praying for your sons. We're praying for your daughters. We want to be imitated because we're saying, follow me as I follow Christ and in order to do that it hurts to be a real father I know a lot of preachers they're just in it for the check they run around and they'll preach the same message a hundred places because they because they got them some money they don't even try to pray to God I preach what God gives me and if God don't give me anything till till 9.59 in the morning I'm up at 9.59 no I got to get ready and preach at 11 but I wait for God to give me something because I'm a real father in the gospel because I learned it from real fathers and because of that we should be appreciated and we should be respected I'll close with this. You can send your money anywhere. You can send your money to T.D. Jakes. He's awesome. You can send your money to the Red Cross. They're doing great things. But when you have a real father, you invest in the place where your real father is giving you all he has. And I must say, in the last two years or two to three years, Deliverance Temple, our giving has come to a level that matches the type of ministry you've been given. We got a higher place to go, but I can tell y'all appreciate the leadership that you have, and I thank you for appreciating me. Amen. I'll, I'll close for real by saying this. There's nothing more miserable than a real father who is not appreciated. But in this church, we're learning to appreciate 
the real fathers that we have. Come on, faithful fatherhood. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. Thank you for us impacting what this Father's Day means for us spiritually, God. Thank you for you being the Father that works in us and works through us. Thank you for giving us beauty for ashes. Thank you for comforting us. Thank you for being our favor and our vengeance. All the things that we find in Isaiah 61 that Jesus has been to us and he's allowing the Father to work through him to be there in our lives. And we receive this and we thank you. And we say there's no greater Father than you, our Jehovah and our God. Now, God, if there's anybody that doesn't know you in that fatherhood and in the part of their sin, we pray that they would just say these words. Father God, come into my life, come into my heart, save me from my sin, and be the faithful father that I always needed. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. God bless you. Have a great week. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. And God bless you. Goodbye.